0: SAS Presents with Laura and Chloe, the campus culture podcast What all your isolation needs. Welcome to our fourth episode.
1: Very excited to be back, number four, down on the books. We've struggling to keep track of it at this point, but I think yeah, I and in actually, everything in isolation.
0: Not to throw you under the bus or anything, Laura, but on the show notes, it actually said third episode, so thank God I, I said the right thing. <laughs> I did actually
1: realise that as you were saying it out loud, I was like, oh, made a big mistake there, but...
0: She's, that.
1: She's a professional. It's what we love. Exactly. So, what have you been up to keeping yourself busy
0: with isolation this week, Chloe? Um, I sure have. I've just been, I've been just chilling. I actually, funny story. So, I'm underloading at the moment. I'm doing one unit, right? And my, my one shoot for my one unit is on a Tuesday and at four o'clock. And I got on the Zoom, I did my readings. I got on the Zoom at four o'clock and I've been having a bit of trouble with my laptop. And I literally got on the Zoom and it was 4.05 and I was answering a question, like right in the middle of answering a question, and my laptop just shut off (laughs) and I couldn't get it working for the next hour. So I was on my one shoot for the entire week for five minutes. So that's uh, (laughs) how. I love that.
1: It wasn't great or anything, was it?
0: No, I don't think so. I think they've waived all the um, attendance. Oh, yeah, thank God. Can you
1: imagine, though, the tutor was probably like, oh, doesn't want to answer to yeah.
0: like, like I was like right in the middle of the question too. It must have been so dramatic for everyone else. Like it just <laughs> me just like disappearing <laughs> mid mid-answer. <laughs> what about you, Loz? How have you been going?
1: Um, again, I've been filling my time with staring into the void and YouTube sweat sweat sets. Love it all. <laughs> YouTube. Um, <laughs> YouTube sweats. <laughs> It's just very anxious YouTube sessions. No, so I was watching a lot of Tomorrowland sets and I got onto, I'm probably going to say this wrong, Armin van Buren, I think. I think that's right. Fantastic DJ. Um, Just because I've been watching a lot of Dom Dollar and, like, the Tech House stuff, um, and I was just getting a bit sick of it. I was like, oh, I've sort of heard it all before at this point, as much as I love it. Shout out to the King. Shout out, Dom um, But I wanted something, like, a bit more upbeat. So I was watching that and I literally fell in love. I was like, this is the best set I've ever seen. Um, so then I got on and I was like, you know what? Like, stuff it like when all this is over and like, we finally go to Europe. Like I'm going to go to, um,
0: it's not Berlin. I actually know where it is. Somewhere. Tomorrowland. It's in, um, I know where it is. Belgium.
1: Belgium. That's what I was thinking. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Berlin. Um, and I was going to like, I was fully planning a trip to see what it was like. And then I realized that the logistics of it are an actual nightmare. Like, Going to a music festival in Australia with a car is, like, annoying enough, let alone trying to go, like, halfway across the world for it. So I kind of gave up on my dreams pretty quickly. Um, also found out that I, my job just decided to, like, not give me JobKeeper payments, which was really fun. Spent, spent a lot of time doing some angry phone calls, talking with my union and things like that. So that was an interesting way to spend my week. And now I've signed up for Centrelink. So hopefully that cash money can come through. And I can maybe think about a Europe trip, which probably isn't the most responsible thing to do with any money, but you know what? girl needs
0: it. Aw, that sucks, man. (sighs) It is what it is.
2: Welcome to the Centrelink Employment Services line. We
0: are currently joined by some pretty big SAS names, Angus and Matt. Thank you guys so much for being here. No worries, ladies.
3: I've always been told that I have a face for radio, so happy to be here.
0: Very glad.
1: We're, we're glad to have you on. So, we've brought you in to obviously talk very serious careers business, but before then, let's get into the nitty gritty. Tell us about your time on SAS.
3: Matt, we'll let our age go before beauty.
2: You're older than me. <laughs> uh, no, my time on SAS was, uh, good. I enjoyed it. It was quite nice. I did a lot of things. I was on it for three years. Um, overall, a positive experience. That's
0: good. What we cool. were your roles? That. Do you want to elaborate?
2: Uh, yeah, I was IT director first, so I didn't do anything for a year, which is pretty decent. Um, I just kind of hung around and pretended to take photos of things and post them on the Instagram. Um, as as you can pain. tell,
1: if you scroll down to the quality of the feed, it was definitely run by Matt Miles.
2: Yeah, it was really <laughs> Sorry, bad. I started in 2016. I genuinely, Oh, 2017, maybe. I genuinely didn't really do anything with it. It was quite bad. But then secretary, I did a lot of work. That was good fun. Um, and then president which is also good
1: fun. Big dog.
2: love. Wow. Two two big dogs in the call today. Huge. Huge, huge calls. Woof, buddy,
1: woof. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, August? Tell us about your time on Sass.
3: Um, well, I didn't quite have the same drive that uh, our good friend um, of the podcast, Matt Miles, did. Um, I, um, I would have joined in the same year as you, actually, and um, similarly did a... Um, a nice easy role I'd stay to start us off, being the uh, assistant treasurer. So that was uh, with my good friend Sam Harris as a uh, as the uh, treasurer. And then the uh, the year after, I decided, you know what, instead of um, progressing through the ranks, let's just do the same thing again. Um, <laughs> so I did the assistant treasurer um, uh, again a second year. And then I thought, you know what, why not? Let's go three from three and um, did the same role a third time. Can,
0: Can I ask you? You? Angus? I don't know if I've ever asked you, but did anyone challenge you on it, like every time you
3: went? Um, the first year I think I might have run unopposed or maybe there was someone else, but it wasn't anyone I knew particularly that well. Um, my good mate Scott Raymond ran against me in um, my second year, <laughs> which was kind of funny, um, but managed to get the, get the old chocolates on old Scotty boy. Um, and then, geez, I can't even remember if anyone ran against me in the third year, but uh, I was lucky enough to get up for a third time
0: huge third time's a charm absolutely
1: beautiful so we're we're gonna go around the circle and say what your favorite SAS memory was is there anything that stood out for you during your time on the committee
3: that's a really good question um well i'll give you a cliched answer and a non-cliched answer i'd say that the um the best thing about um being on committee is obviously the people that you meet so um i guess with matt and i both having been on for three years there's um three generations of SAS, i suppose that we've got to know um so lots of different people um and obviously still with us both being in um full-time jobs now and we're still being invited back by our friends um (laughs) to be on podcasts like this so um yeah definitely the people you meet but then i'd say um a little bit more scandalously i'd say um the the day on the green days were always a personal highlight so rocking up to uni at stupid o'clock and um yeah, getting up to lots of no good on the, the vacant block outside the back of... Actually, I shouldn't really say where it is. Should Should you can explain
1: block? to the listeners, Chloe, what Day on the Green is?
0: Um, so Day on the Green basically is the last Thursday of every uni year. Um, it's like... I think it was like traditionally a whole society thing, but then because SAST loves a party, we can't pass up a, a piss-up, we joined as well, and I think some other societies joined too, and everyone dresses up in like a theme, and you all go to this like vacant little like patch of grass at the university, and you just get really drunk like the whole day, pretty much. And people fight like they joust and stuff <laughs> with their like wizard's teeth and their beers. It's like a whole vibe. You can't even see it to like believe it and really know what it is.
3: Um, when Chloe's saying that people are fighting, we should say that it's uh, it's a good natured day. People <laughs> aren't
0: actually going
3: out there and throwing up uh, at each other. Uh, it's just
0: some- pure violence. <laughs> Hopefully we can have one this year.
1: I'm I'm worried. Oh, he's hoping. Last year I started drinking at nine a.m. Left to go to my law review performance at about six. Did the performance. Came back and finished the knot as the last one standing. And that's when my crowd was
0: who was who was the who was the only person there, Laura.
1: Oh, that would be you. Thank <laughs> you. You and me finishing off the night. Thank Everyone you so
0: much. got weak and died at about six o'clock.
1: Well, well
3: let's be honest. So if you make it to the knot, you haven't done the day justice. <laughs>
2: What about you, Matt? What's one of your favourite stories on SAS? Uh, pretty much the same, to be honest. Like, you yeah, know, making friends was quite nice, and we did a lot of that, so that was good. Um, and then, yeah, Day and Green. Like, I actually really kind of forgot about that until I just brought it up. That was probably one of the best things. Like, I went to our old job. I met this, uh, this new person came in, uh, and she started working with us, and we just started like, talking about, like, what else because we both did in there? And then she said, oh, did you have a good day on the green? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've a couple of years. And she showed me a video of people like jousting with like beer cans. And the video was of me. <laughs> That's and, funny. Uh, yeah, it was good fun.
1: That's
3: legendary. Uh, how, how the was Our day on the green, the, um, the block actually used to be a single block. It's a double block now. But back in the day, there used to be a house on the second block. Um, It didn't have anyone living in there, but the house was still very much um, up. And um, I think people figured out that there wasn't anyone in there. So there were a couple of trips made into the house. The water was still running, which was bizarre, but um, it was very decrepit. But, yeah, some serious uh, tomfoolery, we will say, got up um, in that that old little shanty. Wowee. Yeah.
0: I can't imagine there being, like, a house there now that I picture it.
1: I went into it my first day on the green, but it was falling apart by then. There was, like, a wall missing and stuff. It didn't have the same ambiance. And then we got kicked out by the owners and I had to run, like, around the block, was <laughs> absolutely oh, nice. blind, just sprinting away from the people that owned it.
0: Um, what, what made you guys, like, get into SAS in the first place? Like, what – did you go on the camp? What, like, drew you to SAS?
2: One of my mates, I got a cab for all doing a class with. I uh, was the only other person in the class that liked to talk a lot, so we became friends really quickly. Um, and so he was—he went on South Camp, and he sort of like kind of just brought me along to things. And yeah, I just got into it from that.
3: Yeah, I actually I didn't go to the South Camp on my first year of uni either. And that was definitely probably my big regret as a um, as a student through Monash. I did I did actually go as a second year as a Tully, as I like to call it. That's um, disgusting. Yeah, so... um, No, we
1: welcome all second years, (laughs) if you haven't been on Task Camp before.
3: But, yeah, got drawn into it by um, a mate um, who uh, got on committee as a first year and then that kind of, uh, the rest was history, I suppose.
0: Nice. Um, I've just remembered something funny, Angus, now that while you're here. um, I had a dream about you the other night.
3: Oh wow, here we go. Yeah,
0: and get this and we kissed in the dream.
3: Wow, we kissed. Chloe. That huge.
0: Is Isn't that huge for us?
3: <laughs> oh, I don't I don't even know what to say to that, Klaus. Chloe oh, <he laughs> um, has dreams. <laughs> Chloe DM me after this message all right? <laughs> I was
0: like gonna message you it, but I thought it was funnier to say it actually in person on the potty
3: oh yeah,
0: well,
1: there you go. Well,
3: well, well Oh, you're too
0: much. Well, now what you've all been waiting for—the professional side of these absolute wild boys. So, <laughs> <laughs> talk about <Wild> Boys. <laughs> I was going to say. In in our notes, it says hooligans, and for some reason, I like don't really like that word. I wanted to go off the cuff. What do you have against Hooligans, Chloe? That's amazing improv. <laughs> that just sounds like a bit strange. I don't know why I don't like that word, but I was going to go off the cuff and I, it didn't, didn't didn't prevail, but it's okay. We'll skim over it. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That is
1: true. So, what are you guys actually doing with your lives? You've managed to snap some jobs with your fancy degrees. Talk us through what you do.
3: What I do now, um, well, I actually did my arts degree. That was the first thing that I um, did through university um, because...
0: What what, what were your subjects?
3: I originally wanted to be a journalist, so I was flicking between Caulfield and um, Clayton to do my subjects and um, really enjoyed my arts degree. I I realised pretty quickly that journalism wasn't the thing that I wanted to do, um, so... Um, I guess that's the benefit of the arts degree is it gives you the flexibility of being able to um, switch over to something else. So I ended up, um, uh, what do you call it, majoring in um, history and politics, um, which was good. I uh, really enjoyed um, my time in my arts degree, but obviously um, needed something to um, actually gain employment in. So um, I always knew that teaching would have been a good option for me. And that's um, kind of what ended up happening. So I did my masters and now I'm in my second year teaching back at the same high school that I went to which is always a very interesting situation but absolutely loving it.
0: Full circle baby.
3: That's exactly right.
0: Did you know while you were doing your art degree that you wanted to be a teacher like when did it when did it click?
3: Um, That's a good question so I had always known that um, teaching would be a pretty good kind of plan b for me um both my parents at some point of their lives have done teaching um, and I, they've just always said, and I like totally agree that it would have been a career that um, just suited my personality and what I would want from a job. Um, and then kind of when a plan A didn't really present itself towards the end of my arts degree, the plan B became the plan A, um, but very happy that it did because um, certainly in, very much enjoying my time in the role. It's, um, yeah, it's a great career and uh, certainly would recommend it to anyone.
0: Very nice. What about you, Matt? Uh,
2: So, uh, yeah, I was was an engineer for like a year and a half during my final years of uni. I did that for a bit. Then I continued on with that for a few months and I decided that I wanted to do something more technical. And so I picked up a PhD and so I just started doing that over the last couple of months. Um, what was the rest of the questions? The
0: doctor, no, it was just it was just what do you do? I just had a couple of follow up questions. What made you want to do the PhD? That's huge.
2: Um, well, I mean, like uh, being an engineer was fun. It was uh, I really liked the technical side of it, like building stuff and doing that. That was really good. Um, which is yeah, the thing that sort of appealed to me in the first place about it. But in 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 a reality, a lot of the time, uh, engineering is. Also, a lot of project management, organization, and sort of like systems, making everything sort of work together. I could see in the career path that i kind of chosen, that was the area I was going into. Uh, and I'd always been very interested in a particular area, which is astrophysics. So I decided I might as well just pick up a PhD in that, um, given it's something I was very, very interested in. So the pay cut hurt, but aside from that, it was uh, it's pretty good choice.
3: How long are you expecting it's going to take you, Matt?
2: Three uh, Three years. It'll be not any longer than three years, definitely. Hopefully, maybe shorter. I'm not really sure if I can manage to sort of, like, get my confirmations done a bit earlier somehow. Um, but, yeah, three years max.
3: Pretty full on. Are you, are you looking forward to lording it over the rest of your family by dropping the uh, Dr. Matt?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be the only person. My, my parents didn't um, go to university, so I'll be, like, the first uh, generation that has, like, above a bachelor's degree, which is going to be a lot of fun. Because
3: I'm going to make them call me Doctor. <laughs> Not even a remote subtle flex are, though. You just got to flex out all the time
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought, when I first joined SAS, who would have thought that you would be Doctor Matt in a couple of years?
2: Yeah. Oh, well, I still think that. Insane,
0: but Wild.
2: Hopefully.
0: Um, do you guys think that SAS helped you get, like, helped you with skills in any way that you've used in like getting your jobs and then also being in your
3: jobs? Um, certainly some of the skills that you develop through being a committee member um, have are definitely applicable to any career, I would say. So obviously in any job you're going to have to um, collaborate and um, organise things with groups of people. And I think definitely SAS is a really good um, stepping stone for that because you're um, often having to make hard decisions and, um, with and against your good friends, which can be a very interesting to si- um, kind of situation to be in. As a camp leader, I, I kind of um, often think back to, um, so I teach you five at the moment, so they're all 10 turning 11, and I, I liken um, being a camp leader and looking after probably 10 or 15 um, drunk first years as being the same as looking out for about 20, 10-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> so they're at similar level, levels of maturity. So I'd say it prepared me a little bit in that respect.
1: The first year I was a parent, I was like, oh, this is why they call it being a parent. It was like (laughs) I had three children vomiting into buckets as I was just rubbing their back. And they were like, I'm so sorry, mum," And I was like, it's okay. It's what I'm here for. It's actually
3: funny how every family that you have. um, So obviously this is is on first year camps at the start of the year where um, the committee members form like little families with the kids just to look after them. Um, for a bit of pastoral care and well-being and that kind of thing. Um, but it's so funny how all of the families, they've all obviously got different personalities, but people fill the exact same roles every year. There's always two or three kids who haven't really drunk before and just get absolutely turned way, way, way too early. There's always, like, a couple of guys who, like, just think they're a little bit too good for the whole system. Definitely a couple of girls who think the exact same way as well. Um And then there's always that one chiller who wants to go until 6am, even <laughs> if you don't want to. So funny.
0: Oh, God. I'm having absolute war flashbacks as you say that. Yeah. Moving to your next phase of life, I guess, post-uni. What does that sort of look like? And how much do you think uni prepares you for what it's like after uni?
3: Um, Well, I'd hope whatever, whatever degree you're doing is going to prepare you pretty well for what you're doing. Uh, I know... Uh, teaching is an interesting one because um, I, I think you could ask any teacher and they'd say the qualification that you actually do, um, obviously it's really important, but the learning you do in the um, out on your practicals where you're thrown into a classroom with kids you don't know, that's certainly where you learn like how to do your job. Um, so some of the uh, technical um, theory classes at university probably aren't as important, so I would... Definitely recommend for anyone who is going through uni and has the option of doing some kind of practical class, um, whether it be an internship or anything like that, I would certainly recommend, um, yeah, grab grab that opportunity with both hands because that's going to be the thing that will tell you whether you enjoy that career or not. And it will definitely um, – they couldn't even get your foot in the door at a certain place. I know that's how teachers get their jobs. I don't know if that's the same for you in engineering, Matt. Yeah, 100% it is. Right.
0: Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Short sweet Matt, we love you. <laughs> you gave me a lot didn't you? <laughs> oh,
3: sorry, I thought I was like, I I uh, on, Matt, a little bit, <laughs> me, a little bit of <laughs> that's good, that's
0: good. Well, I think it's time for a song, is it not? lost Yes!
1: I love you, bitch. Oh my god. I ain't gonna never stop loving you, <laughs> bitch.
0: We've got a couple of rapid fire questions which were sent in to ask you guys. Um, so, the first one is, do you feel like adults yet? Oh. No. <laughs> Short
3: answer. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I feel like do it, being, doing a full-time job makes you feel like an adult, but mentally and spiritually and emotionally, I don't feel like an adult at all. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it,
2: yeah.
1: Very nice. We love that. Um, do you have any tips for dealing with new milestones or entering a new phase in your life?
2: <sighs> um. Take it slow, I guess. There are no speed limits or anything, speed expectations. Just uh, do it, and then sort of analyze it later. Don't overanalyze while you're doing something.
3: I definitely say um, try and continue. So, obviously, um, going from university, which is a very um, relaxed, independent lifestyle, and then going to a full-time job is can be pretty difficult. Um, so, I definitely say try and um, keep as much as many other things. Uh, any, like, familiarity that you can outside of, obviously, what you're doing during the day. So still, you know, participate in whatever sports team you're on. Um, shout out to Disaster and also... Shout out, <laughs> And And, um, yeah, try and see mates still as much as possible. Um, reach out to people. I think that's a really good idea because definitely you can... I definitely fell into a bit of a hole um, in my first, probably first term of my first year, but then you kind of learn the ropes after that.
0: Yeah. so that um, wasn't
3: very rapid fire.
0: No, no, it was good. It's important. Um, did your wham or GPA matter significantly when you were getting your job or in your job interviews? Is it important to work? Oh, I think that's a separate question. We'll just go with that one. Did your wham or GPA matter significantly when getting a job or in, during your interviews?
2: Getting a job and getting. If you're getting interviews, probably your uh, wham does matter a little bit. Because they, they tend to cut from your wham so they can cut down the people. But then once you're actually in the interview, I would say it probably doesn't really matter that much at all. So the, the stage from get uh, interview to job, probably your wham doesn't really matter, but you probably need to maintain it relatively well so you can get the initial interview. But past that certain point, it doesn't really matter. If you fail a subject, they might bring it up, but as long as you have a reasonably responsible kind of response to that, then generally it's fine, um, I would say.
3: For me, it didn't matter at all. Uh, like, uh, obviously, I had to get into my masters, so I needed a reasonable, wham to get into that from my arts degree. I can't even remember what it was, but I, th- I think it wasn't any, any huge hurdle, and definitely isn't anything you need to worry about when trying to get a teaching degree. They care most about what your placement teachers say about you, pretty much. Was it all
0: glowing reviews, Angus?
3: Um, that's a good question. I I wouldn't really know a hundred percent. I I um. Because they can contact anyone. Like you, you, put on as many referees as you can who you've seen. So in the in your masters, you'll have four placements. So it could have been any one of them. And there were three that I I know would have said really glowing things about me, and one maybe not. So I don't know who <laughs> Why? actually.
0: Why?
3: Why? <laughs> um, there were a lot of uh, let's say personality issues when with um one of my placements. So. It wasn't necessarily with me, but the three people who I was on placement with, because it was an alternative placement and it wasn't in an actual primary school, um, the three other people basically had like a shit fight with the, um, with the placement teacher for the, the whole time. So I was kind of just sitting there twiddling my thumbs being like, how do I avoid this conflict?
0: <laughs> wow. That's intense.
2: So, yeah, that was a pretty spicy time. God.
1: Oh, damn. Do you guys have any general advice about applying for jobs?
2: Overkill is better than underkill, I'd say. Like, don't be afraid to just send as many off as possible. If you get them and you don't actually want them, you can just turn them down later. But it's better to choose from a wider range of things than it is to shoehorn you into one kind of selection.
3: I would also say if you are writing your own resume and you're just, you're just writing it and you're not showing anyone, then you're an absolute idiot. Because yeah. the university is, like, set up so that there are... People, it is people's jobs at the university to look over your resume and look over cover letters and stuff. So I certainly use them as much as I could and I definitely recommend other people do that because if not, um, you're just disadvantaging yourselves.
0: Very good tip. Um, how far before graduating did you start applying for graduate jobs and positions?
2: About um, a year.
3: Yeah, mine was half a year, I think.
0: Nice. Very rapid that was. Is there anything you
1: wish you knew before you started applying for graduate positions?
3: Hmm. Good question.
1: I've stumped you.
3: <laughs> well, oh, just, Obviously, the um the answers we give you are very interesting because it's they're two pretty narrow careers: the old teaching and um, engineering, or yeah. whatever you're doing now, <laughs> Matt. <laughs>
0: but it's good people listening like might be wanting to go into engineering and teaching so it's it's just good to hear from people that have actually graduated
3: though anyway ah yes the rare teacher engineer
0: (laughs) it's it's
1: the campus culture podcast or the arts podcast yeah we're we're about we love
0: equality of all degrees
3: oh that's beautiful um what was the question again
1: (laughs) (laughs) is there anything you wish you knew before you started applying for graduate positions
3: um, I'd say, don't be disheartened by not um, by not getting the first job that you want because realistically, there are, you know, there's obviously quite a few people going for the same job. I know in my experience, I went for, I probably applied at like thirty or forty schools, and um, that was initially I was kind of doing it my own way, and then I once I realised that things weren't really falling my way I reached out to people who I knew had experience in the industry and could point me in the right direction with things to say in interviews and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, as a result of that and lots of perseverance, I mean, I was sweating there for a a good period of time, but, um, now we, we eventually landed something. So definitely, yeah, keep persevering. You, You probably, you probably won't get, I mean, I think a lot of people in university just imagining they're going to get their dream role straight out of uni, but that's probably not going to be the case. You'll probably have to pay your dues for a little while. but um, So, yeah, I'd say be prepared to do that.
2: I would say um, probably one thing I would, would have liked to know is that when you're applying, there's usually a date where they stop taking applications. That doesn't mean you can apply at any point up to that date, not really, because they, there's checking the applications through that period and often conducting interviews through that period. So if people apply early and they have already gotten an interview and they've already effectively been chosen, they're more likely to sort of be in the ones towards the later end. So if you, have like, if you think you have like a month to apply for something, just do it on the day. A, yeah, a lot of the time they'll just go from the top and then once they've filled the position, they won't really consider the ones below that well.
3: Yeah, make it as easy as possible for the recruiter. They don't. They're not going to want to have to look at the hundred and third person. They're going to want to look at the third person. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. So that's very good advice. I didn't think about that. Yeah, neither did I. Um, we'll do one lucky last one. Um, what was the best resource that you used to find like job availabilities and job positions and stuff?
2: Um, I think it's all that. Called either Grad Connection or Grad Australia. I can't remember which one it is, but if you type in your degree and where you want to work, it's pretty, pretty great. It's sort of like selecting um, big companies that were that want to hire you for that kind of thing. Um, but that that lists, that lists like thousands and thousands of jobs. So I found that really useful.
3: Um, for me, uh, teaching is probably a little bit different to a lot of other things. So you just apply through the like everything has to go through the Department of Education and Training website, so um, you just slide onto that portal and all the jobs are listed there. But definitely um, going back to my um, original point about the uh, use as many services as you can through university. I'm sure there's um, services for every faculty that are designed in order to try and get you a job, so certainly look them up. You, you, won't, um, you won't do yourself any disservice by having a little bit of a hunt around.
0: Very
1: nice. Fantastic. So thank you so much for coming and joining us this afternoon, guys. It
0: was an absolute privilege to have you.
3: No worries, gals. Happy to be here. Yeah,
0: thank you. We love the pod. Yeah, big shout-out. Big shout-out to the pod. Friends of the pod, always welcome.
3: And extremely well compared ladies. And I love the fact that we've got our claws and lots. I mean, just rhyming, (laughs) beautiful. I mean, you set up we
2: sketch right there.
0: We stand a dynamic duo. Match Made in Podcast Heaven.
2: That's it. That is it. Yeah, so you and Angus. That works out really well.
0: (laughs) Well, Yeah, thank you guys so much for um, listening as well and for coming. Um, Where can they find us on our socials, Moz?
1: So on Instagram, we are sass.monash. And on Facebook, we are Society of Art Students. And as of this week, we have a very exciting announcement. We're going to be starting a playlist for all our radio tunes um so as we start uploading these radio shows to spotify so you can listen to them as a podcast we're also going to have an adjacent playlist so um you can listen to all the songs that we edit out in order just to have you know a weekday groove that kind of thing a lot of disco tunes a lot of sass vibes so we're very excited to bring that out to you Woo-hoo.
3: and uh, also matt miles is at matt miles on instagram so look him up <laughs> Send him, a, send him a message, everyone. Send him a DM.
0: Oh, yeah, man. we should have got you guys on. We had, our, we had our single in isolation podcast last week. We should have had you two, not Eduardo. <laughs>
2: hey, you are. Matt, are you single? What? <laughs> are you single, Matt? <laughs> if somebody wants to pay me for me to like, hang out with them, then that's fine.
1: <laughs> COVID-19 restrictions, though. I'm going
0: to report you to the police. <laughs> so,
3: 5. basically, 5. Matt 5. is a 5. 5. That's what we're 5. taking 5. out of it. 5
0: wild all right well we're getting a bit off track so we should probably finish up loves
1: fantastic thank you for listening everyone we will see you next week when we're back to one of our campus culture episodes and hopefully bring you some juicy stories
0: thank you
3: bye, bye.